You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where all we want is some decent offensive line play. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, and I'm going to go ahead and denounce any uh, appearances I have on any other show, and you'll find out what that comment's all about in a moment. But first, my opening comment, I am referring to the past weekend of football. Uh, I love my Tigers. I love the Patriots. But neither of them seem to want to field a offensive line right now. And it's very, very difficult to watch. Uh, if you've watched football for a long time, you know how important the offensive line is. That's really where the entire team begins and ends. And it's really tough to watch two programs, two franchises, whatever word you want to use. You use program and college franchise and pros that were so successful for so long and now they can't field a fundamental building block of football. So we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, At the quarterback position, they're diametric opposites. DJ does not look good for Clemson, but I have a lot of hope for Mac Jones. He looks really, really good. He had a drive today and when they put him in the shotgun, he looked pretty good. Uh, There were three interceptions. I don't think any of them looked that bad. One, maybe he should have taken the sack when he was getting hit, but again, he was getting pressured all day. Second one bounced right off the receiver's hands, and the third in garbage time, he was trying to force something. Yeah, it was a bad throw, but again, it was in garbage time. So I'm feeling pretty good about Mac Jones. I don't like losing, but the future is hopeful for the Patriots at least. Let's bring in uh, a Michigan fan and a Detroit Lions fan, so I don't know how much hope he has for the future. Joining me this trip... From Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yes, uh, it's been a crazy, crazy week here in uh, in Dale's Lawn and in the beach that is long as well. Uh, the Grand Prix is this weekend, so it's uh, crazy. I, I uh, drove uh, uh, from the store to record the show, and as soon as we are, uh, as soon as I upload, as soon as I upload, I have to drive back because the race will probably be over by then, and it'll be crazy again at the store. So I'm going to go help them out. But uh, it's been uh, thank you to everyone on staff. I know there's a few listeners. Uh, it's been absolutely nuts. Uh, we're doing about twice as much as what we normally do in a week, so you can imagine the uh, the uh, amount of uh, drama that takes. And there's been a few folks that have been sick, and um, so uh, everyone's just having to step up and uh, and do their part, including me. So I'm making lots of sandwiches do you, today. Do you even have a normal week's numbers yet? Because you opened the store right before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, normal is uh, is a weird definition, right? Uh, that's true. I don't know what a normal week would be, but I can tell you I've had to order twice as much of everything. So so then basically your store is doing okay. This this, this pandemic isn't going to kill this business. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not. Uh, I'll, uh, thankfully, uh, DoorDash and... and, and ordering online and delivery stuff uh, kept us when during lockdowns. And then 
Um, now it's just, uh, you know, regular tourism, right? With the Grand Prix, a lot of folks in, in town for the race. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, things are looking up, uh, you know, lots more to say about trying to keep, uh, enough people on the staff. I mean, that's really hard. Um, but, uh, that seems to be a common problem everywhere. A lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of fast food places. And I don't know if you guys are doing anything like this, but, they are varying when their lobbies are open and when their mobile ordering is open. I know sometimes at McDonald's, they don't want to do mobile pickup. They don't have the lobby open, only the drive throughs open. And one of my, my students works at Duncan, and she says they intentionally close the lobby a lot of times, and it's corporate telling them to close the lobby. So a lot of these different establishments are trying different techniques to see you know, how that affects uh, money because of the, the staffing problems. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I heard through the rumor mill um, in San Diego County even uh, the Chick Fil A's lobby is just closed and they can't keep enough staff to do online pickup, so people just have to wait in the drive-through line whether they order ahead or not, which is crazy. I mean, you know how crazy Chick Fil A can get the drive-through. I mean, it's it's practically in and out crazy. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Imagine this principle applied to In and Out. How yeah. long are people waiting for In and Out burgers in California? I actually legitimately want to know this. Why don't William you find out and report back to us next week? Do this okay. investigative reporting for us. How long is the line at In and Out? D- yeah, dude, I'm I, I can't tell you. Question. Other than like on a road trip and like coming across an In and Out like near a freeway, even then, I I don't go. Like, there's an In and Out like maybe a quarter mile from my house, but I would never go there. It's always like wrapped around the store twice. The, the drive-through. Yeah. A midsider in a uh, discord said that uh, normal is a psyop. <laughs> yeah. That's probably very true. Probably Everything very is true. a psyop. Yeah. But uh, Michigan did win yesterday. I did manage to, to watch, uh, watch the end, uh, the, the second half of uh, the Michigan game, which uh, was the most stressful half because they basically did nothing all of third quarter other than give up, give up yards. Um, but they managed to uh, trounce uh, Rutgers as, uh, as they should have. And then, yeah, I was uh, going to say. It's and Rutgers. Then, uh, yeah, that, watch the UFC fights and just had a good time uh, uh, hanging with uh, <laughs> the folks watching UFC. So. Uh, in the chat, maybe the real psyop is the friends we made along the way. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> something. I'm not making friends along the way. Let's talk about it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. So uh, Friday night, I made a mistake. Now, if you know what I'm talking about already, it's not the mistake you think it is. So I woke up at 6 a.m. on Monday, and then I was busy all the way until 10 p.m. And from 5 to 10 p.m., I was I was coaching and helping out at a cross-country meet. So this cross-country meet had elementary races, middle school races, and then high school races. And I coached the high school races, and then I helped the timer break down his stuff and put that away. So I didn't get home till like 10.30. I predict the high but schoolers around- won against the elementary schoolers. 
Well, there were different races, right? But yes, you, typically the high schoolers act as quote unquote rabbits for the elementary schools. So they pace them. They get out in front of them and, and, and run the course to show them where to go. Ah, but cool. yeah, I mean, it's a neat thing. Whereas the high schoolers, they use golf carts. Although this kid in the high school race was so fast. He was a kid who was adopted from Ethiopia that people kept saying he was, he was close to passing the golf cart that was showing the high school race where to run. So I showed you how, how good that one kid is. He was, he's tremendous. Anyway, at about nine o'clock, I got a, I got a DM on Twitter from Dave Pena and he was like, Oh, you want to come on the vodka stream tonight? That's his, his Friday night stream where you like hang out and you like talk bullshit about movies and stuff. And I was like, sure, because I hadn't been on in a while. I hadn't been on a while and I didn't want to lose the opportunity to be invited back on as a guest. Now, I hesitated because I was already exhausted and I was like, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be exhausted on Saturday, but I didn't want to lose the opportunity. So I agreed to go on. So I went on and I was the first guest. And then he brought on a panel of a bunch of other people. He brought on on this other guy named John Garza, who I think is a narcissist. Essentially, I think it's he's all about like making himself seem important making himself seem bigger than he is, not really contributing much, and uh, kind of getting all of his information from other people. But that's neither here nor there. What is, what's what's relevant is, he started talking about Tenant at a certain point, and talking about how bad it is. Now, William, did you, did you see Tenant? Yes, I did. I saw it in the theater. Right. So, well, okay, and that's the second part of the story. But the first part is the Tenant part, right? Yeah. Now, Remember we talked about it on the show and I said it's not no one's best movie, but what he was essentially trying to do was compatibilism. He was trying to show how free will and determinism can work together, right? Moral responsibility and determinism can work together. And that's why the movie works in two directions and it had to be as long as it is. And I, I had to try and explain that. And I had to try and defend this movie where it's not my favorite Nolan movie, but he was acting like it was like the, the worst movie ever. But then William the more egregious part was what you just said. Now, do you remember when we talked about how heroic what no one did was trying to put that movie in theaters? Yeah, yeah. He was pursuing his values. He was like, hey, you know, I want to support movie theaters and I'm a movie creator, so I'm going to put my movie in the theaters. Right, because he really values, we know Nolan and Snyder really value the theater experience where he thinks going to the movies is better than streaming it on your own home devices, that there's something unique there. And I agree. I think that's an experience that won't ever be lost. Well, that's the other thing that Garza started talking about. He started talking about how terrible it was that no one put it in theaters, you know, how it lost money and how he was arrogant for putting it in theaters. And I, you know, I responded to him and I, I explained what you just said. He was pursuing his values. He was trying to, get people out of their houses and get the theaters going again. He was using his position and the power he had and the ability he has to try and make his values real, to actualize them, to support them. And Garza basically replied and said, well, he failed, so he shouldn't have done it. And I was like, wait, so whenever anyone fails or then we say they shouldn't have done what they should have done. And basically his entire argument was, well, he didn't have power. He should have read the room to know he didn't have power. So he shouldn't have done that, that he didn't have the power to do that. So he just made himself look bad. And he did it with a shitty movie to begin with that. Nobody needed to see 
tenant at that point in the pandemic. And that's the point when I, I, I don't regret what I did, but because I wanted to get off, right? I wanted to sign off. I wanted to go to sleep. And because I didn't want to deal with this argument anymore, and this was a person that I've avoided really ever confronting, I just sort of had it. And I was like, so wait, we should have never had the American Revolution then? Because William, if we use the logic, think about it for a second, the logic that if you don't have power and you don't, you're not going to succeed in forwarding your values, would we ever really do anything? Isn't the history of the world... And this is a serious yeah. question I'm asking, William. <laughs> is it the history of the world, people who didn't seem to be powerful, making a difference because they they went forward with their values? Yeah, we should have read the room back in, uh, back in you know, 1776 and decided, you know, King George is, is too powerful. A Rosa Parks should have read the room? Right, she well, should have just bus. gone yeah, to the back of the bus. She should have read the bus, yeah. Right, well, so that's a room, it's just a moving room. But and that's the point. And this especially coming from a Snyder fan, right? Zack Snyder should read the room and just stop making the movies he wants to make. He shouldn't make his Superman the way he wants. He needs to read the room. Right. But then he pushed me over the edge and he said, why are we even talking about the American Revolution? Now, that shows somebody who's willfully either ignoring what I'm saying or just way too stupid to understand what he's even talking yeah, definitely about. Didn't, definitely didn't follow the logic chain, right? Right. And that's, it, that's not a complicated logic chain, right, William? I don't think so, no. But, right. uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a... If it's asked genuinely, then that's one thing, but it's often used to... to uh, you know, to stop the thinking, right? Where you just mock right. the example. It's like, no, we're, the example is not the issue. It's the, you know, it's the reasoning that we're trying to explore. Right. It's the principle, which is the principle of you should pursue your values even if you don't have power. And I was picking an extreme example, which is what you do in order to prove a point. So, you know, when he said, uh, you know, why are we even talking about the American Revolution? I was just like, all right, I'm done. I just need to make a big exit. And I was just like, fuck you, fuck you. And I flipped him off and I told Dave I was signing off and I just signed off, shut my computer off, brushed my teeth and went to bed. <laughs> and I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I was annoyed. But I, William, you know me enough. I don't have a flight reflex. Like if I start getting angry, if I don't exit the situation, yeah, I'm just going to like let myself blow up. So it's funny because a lot of people now are saying, you know, like, oh, you blew up. They're saying, oh, he got one over on you. Uh, I got called a Trump supporter, and when I called nice. the person out for for calling me a Trump supporter, yeah, exactly. I was. They were like, "Oh, I'm just joking. You can't tell I'm joking." And then that becomes stupider liar, right? Like, yeah. either you're stupid and you don't understand how the term Trump supporter is used to dismiss people and make them seem insane, or you're a liar and you're acting like you don't understand that, so you can get away with calling me that. Uh, somebody else pointed out that Floridians are crazy. It's interesting that even though William, I've from massachusetts and i I grew i lived in california for a long time congratulations i'm a floridian just living here means that all like i guess you cross into a parallel dimension where like your mind just becomes insane um and then somebody else called me a meathead about this so so now you know i I got owned (laughs) yes arguing a philosophical yeah arguing a philosophical point is a very meathead behavior justin right were you literally pumping iron while while making this argument (laughs) 
Well, and that's why it's interesting, right? And that's why it's interesting to me that it shows the way people perceive things and how, how I, I've learned a big lesson this year and through this experience of how associative people are with their thinking. And what I mean by that is people don't follow chains of reasoning. It's just they have a thought and then their brain associates that with something else. And that's the next thought they have. They're not in control of anything. And in fact, it's even worse because that makes the media in control of their brains or whoever's programming their brains because it becomes association. And that's what I've learned. Like, Oh, he lives in Florida. He's crazy. Oh, he's saying these certain things. He's a Trump supporter. Oh, he looks a certain way and has certain interests. He's a meathead. That's all associative. That's something I very much learned. So yeah. Yeah. Again, my mistake is you guys, you gotta, you gotta be responsible with managing your time and managing your, your, your sleep and your rest and your energy levels. Like that's something that we don't take seriously, especially as kids. So when we are adults, we, you know, even in our twenties, we don't take that seriously and we develop bad habits. And that was something I did. I should like, what was really the value I was getting out of this? it wasn't as much as the value I lost by losing the sleep. I mean, I'm still recovering from that now and I'm going to have to really, really manage my sleep over the next two weeks because I've got a wedding coming up. And if I drain my energy, it's going to be even worse when the wedding happens. And I don't want that to happen. So that was my mistake. Yeah, my mistake was just yelling, fuck you, fuck you and flipping people off at the wedding. <laughs> that, I, I think I just wrote my vows. Yeah. Yeah. Should we just not have had the American Revolution? <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! Um, but yeah, that was my mistake. I don't like. I don't apologize or regret anything else I said or did. Um, I just I shouldn't have gone on the show, and that was poor judgment on my part. But I think uh, everything else I did was warranted, given the context and given the person I was talking to and what the arguments were being made. I mean, I can't, William. I can't fathom saying somebody shouldn't pursue what he or she thinks is right. I don't even want to say values. What he or she thinks is right. Even if I disagree with that person, yeah, yeah. he or she shouldn't pursue what he thinks is right if they don't have power. I can't ever fathom. That is that is like one of the worst things someone can say, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it, it comes from that like weird conception of like power as like some sort of like thing you can measure right versus um like i i i I would would say the opposite of power in their sort of loose definition would be autonomy right like they're saying you're you don't have autonomy if that makes sense right they they, they, they see power as something that is bestowed or like you have and it's like no no no, it's your autonomy that you're exercising you always have your autonomy right well and and they they have the idea that you don't have autonomy unless you have power over other people. Exactly. Right? That's the only way you yeah. can have power. And that's yep. that's that's fucking terrifying because that's not what power is at all. Because one of my favorite quotes is from Days of Thunder. Power is an illusion, you egotistical ego or you no, sorry. Power is an illusion, you infantile egomaniac. Because or no, sorry. Control is an illusion, you infantile egomaniac. I apologize. One more time. Control is an illusion, you infantile egomaniac. Because the we don't nobody really has control. Even even the president, right? Even Joe Biden doesn't have control, right? He's got a team of handlers, he's got people around him. There's a whole context he exists within. Right? There's no such thing as control. And even power, that's I mean, go watch the season of Survivor and you learn what what power really is or not. So can you hear the uh the music right now? No. 
Okay, thank God. There's really loud music starting to play next door. But anyway, yeah, I mean, you'll learn what power really is. And it's what you said. People have that illusion that, oh, you shouldn't act for yourself. You shouldn't act as if you have control over your own life if you don't have power over other people. It's very, I can't imagine living with that mindset. It must be very depressing. But that's what turns you into a narcissist, right? You have to feel like you're important and feel like you have power if that's what you believe power is. Yeah. But part of this, William, part of this comes from how social media has lowered the bar of conversation. And this is something else I've been thinking about, right? And this is why it's really hard for me to engage in in social media, because social media has become... Back in the day, people used to sit around in bars and shoot the shit or sit in their living rooms and shoot the shit. But now everyone does that online. But there's so many people doing that online. And as we've talked about before, you know, with my article about influencers and gatekeepers and everything, there's really no filtering method on social media. It makes it so what you got to hear that music. You can't hear it. No, no, it's canceling it out pretty good. Okay, well, hopefully... That might be Discord uh, technology, though, so uh, we'll see if yeah. it makes it to the recording. Yeah, we'll see if it makes it to the recording. I hope it doesn't make it to the recording. If it does, I'm going to have to use uh, the main recording because, I mean, they're they're blasting their music really loud next door. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, it makes it so the things that rise to the top in social media are not actually any good. They're just what the what the aggregate of the the lcd the lowest common denominator is but people think it's good because they all are entertained by it or they think there's something good about it and there was this clip that went around over the past week of apparently a 12 year old giving commentary on the new york jets patriots game picking apart quote-unquote a play and i actually saw that it was on the fox pre-show today and to me this is a perfect example of what's wrong. I mean, you look at this, William, on the clip, it says that, you know, what is it? What is the, uh, what does the text say on the clip that this kid needs to be put on TV right now or something? Yeah. Yeah. Some network hire this kid, ASAMFP. I guess that means motherfucking, right? Yeah. As soon as motherfucking possible. I don't know why you need to add the MP, but that even just shows what I'm talking about. I mean, I think we should play the clip. What do you think, William? All right. If there's one play that sums up the New York Jets, this one has to be it. This Patriot's winning off the edge. This Jets lineman is probably holding. There's a Patriot charging up the middle at Zach with no blocking at all. This Jets dude is being pancaked on the ground. We have these two idiots staring at each other like, yo, what are we doing? I don't know. Let's just stand here. We have 78 touching his own lineman. On top of that, we have two receivers with zero separation, and the cherry on top has to be Zach Wilson throwing this pick. And Corey Davis has no hops. So this kid, William, all he did was literally freeze something at the near end of the play, right? There's like one or two seconds left. So there would have been four or five seconds before this. And he comments as to what's going on at that current second. He doesn't give any explanation. And he just points out, oh, look how this bad play looks bad. And people are saying this is funny and that it's good commentary. Am am I alone, William? in being annoyed by the fact that people are saying this kid has a bright future in television or they think this is funny and entertaining. I, I don't know that if you like football or understand football, you would realize just like listening to him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. 
like yes. he's not he's not giving you cause and effect or or explaining like the coverage or like why this coverage is blown. Why are those people standing there looking at looking at nothing, right? Like what was the play before? Uh what did the play, Where, play what before? happened to the preceding yeah. four to five seconds? Yeah. How are they lined up? All those other things. Like like these are all things that you could go, directions you could go, but yeah, this is just freezing a frame and just just being very literal about what's what is uh and and maybe trying to be funny uh but yeah well exactly being very literal is exactly the perfect way to say it he it's he's literally not adding anything to it he's literally just saying hey look at how bad these bad people are doing it's like if you froze the butt fumble and was like oh look it's a butt fumble like i I don't i want to say i don't understand it but i do is this not, William, an example of the lowest common denominator being pushed to the top on social media because it's aggregating the masses? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, yeah, you 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 get some selection for uh, uh, spectacle, right? But even in this case, it's not even that, right? It's it's like what. When you think about it, it's like enough people, it gains critical mass, and then it's like some low bar, like it's past some low bar of like mildly entertaining, and so then you get a bunch of people that click it, right? Right, and this is why I tell people not to be on social media all the time, because it passes that low bar, and then it gets put into people's feed, and people don't even get to choose what they're looking at, and they see this, and all of a sudden this becomes an example of what's worthwhile, well, Whereas you know, back what in the doesn't day, have a low bar is our Discord server. That is good social media right there. Are we plugging Discord already? I thought that came later. <laughs> well, I had to sneak it in. It's a natural plug. That's true. Okay, I'll give you that. So, uh, now I lost what I was going to say. But, oh, yeah, when we had the top-down, right, top-down publishers and gatekeepers, there was at least, even if there was, you know, corruption and... Uh, lying going on that there was at least the air of oh there's some sort of quality to this so I, I don't know I just that really annoyed me and it's an example of sort of I think what happened on the vodka stream as well so alright let's move on to another story here that I found I mean we want to talk about farce William farce with COVID yeah COVID I read farce. about this when I was doing research on the show they so the view was going to have Kamala Harris on. I didn't say her name right, did I? It's Kamala. How how do you how am I supposed to say it now? I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> as a, as a woman, I'm an, I'm only allowed to call her Madam Vice President. Madam Vice President. Okay. Aren't I supposed to say no? I guess I'm supposed to call her Overlord and Emperor as a man. But yeah. anyway, Kamala Harris was going to go on the view. So of course they were having rigorous testing for their hosts. But the unbelievable thing is, they, I can't, they tested positive in the middle of the show. So, I don't, this is what I don't get, William. They tested positive in the middle of the show, and they pulled the host in the middle of the show. Yeah. They pulled the host in the middle of the show, and the point they even said is, don't worry, we sanitized everything, all the surfaces afterwards, 
Uh, it's been known for over a year that you can't transmit this via surfaces. So there's the first level there of um, they're saying things to make people feel safe, even though they know it's false or they're that dumb that they don't realize it's false. Well, and good. I was going to say, and you, you're, you're missing the cherry on top, right? It was oh, a yeah, false positive. No, I'm going to get there. Right. <laughs> it was I'm, a false positive for Anna Navarro. Right. Well, I, that's what I was going to say is, first of all, first of all, you are not organized enough to get the test results in before you start filming, before you start production for the day. Like, shouldn't you have at this point a testing schedule and you know how long the testing takes in order to get this done? This yeah. should not have been difficult to, to do in a way that you wouldn't have the hosts on air and then yank them. And then it's like you said, after all that, it was a false positive, which just exposes how absurd the testing is. Yeah. Well, this is the any test like for medical conditions, um, you, you have a, a tremendous uh, difference in false positives if it's not if the test isn't done for a cause, meaning like if you have a fever, let's say, and then you get a covid test. The false positive rate is le- is lower than if you just randomly started selecting people for COVID tests, or if you regularly te- test yourself for um, a COVID test. The number of tests that you do, you will eventually get a false positive, right? Um, it's just the the law of big numbers start to apply and yes. works against you. Not to get all math nerdy. Yeah. So it's just it's. It's ridiculous and it's farcical how things are so based on perception, so based on perception, which goes into the next thing that was ridiculous that came out this week that I I don't really know this on an in-depth level. So maybe you do. But this whole thing about the border horses where White House press secretary Jen, I don't know how to say her name, Saki, uh, announced that border patrol agents will no longer be permitted to use horses to guard the border in Del Rio, Texas. After there were photos that came out that supposedly they were whipping Haitian migrants, Haitian migrants. Yeah. So even though it was actually for the horses, now the reality of the situation is the whips were for the horses, which is normal, right? That's how you, you know, yeah, spur you, a horse on. Yeah, yeah. That's how you ride a horse. So even though that's normal, the perception is that they were whipping Haitian migrants. Although I, I don't know why it matters. They're Haitian in particular. They could be any migrants. And if they were whipping them, that would be terrible. So I don't even know why that detail is relevant. Does it make it worse that they're Haitian migrants? But because that perception exists, they can no longer use horses, which obviously was making their job easier because otherwise they wouldn't have been using horses at all. Yeah. Well, some of this area is just, I, mean, I bet it's navigable by horse, but not by, let's say, Humvee, right? Or yeah. car or something, right? So, and it's probably more, um, less destructive to have a horse go around places than to drive a giant Humvee around. So, I mean, what are they going to use now? A tank? I don't know. Are they going to have to walk on foot? Like, it's just, it's crazy to me, William. It is crazy to me that the White House is making decisions based upon perceptions of what's going on rather than actual reality. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, the the perceptions that that they were in control of. The video was, like, that I saw was that, like, literally just the officers on the horses and trying to help people out of the river. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. that was the video that was. So the supposed evidence of 
of the perception, right? Because there was no actual accuser or someone saying I was whipped, right? It was just, oh, this looks bad. And so we're going to not use horses anymore. And is this permanent? Like, what are they going to do? Shoot the horses? Break their legs and then they'll have an excuse to shoot them. It's crazy. But yeah, but that's fu- that's what the, I mean. And, we're, and, and, and rather than correcting it, right, and saying like, oh, this is just someone doesn't know. First of all, no, nobody knows how to ride a horse. So they don't know, you know, they don't know the names of any of the parts, right, uh, 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 of the, uh, uh, you know, the tack and the, and the saddle and all these other things, right? So, yeah, it's crazy. Well, there, I mean, you no said whips. they're not going to... Re- <laughs> You said they're not going to reverse it. That's the other thing is they could reverse it and just not make a public spectacle of it. So all of this could just be completely for show. That's something that happens a lot in our society that nobody really realizes anymore. Oh yeah, there'll be and no that's follow sort of up another element of that's, that's probably yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. So this this could change in two months and no one would care. I mean, no one cares about uh, what was it two weeks ago when uh, when they ran out of everyone out of the White House when. Um, when the UK prime minister was in town, right? Nobody cares. He was in the middle of speaking and, and, and answering questions from reporters. And they just like everyone out. Goodbye. All right. Let's, let's talk about one last story here before we move on to the art section. And this is, uh, this is related to uh, a story that's been, I guess, very popular. I've heard people talk about it off the internet. Um, the story that, is related is have you heard about the missing girl from florida william named gabby petito yeah it's been uh all over social media and youtube and everywhere else yeah so they they found her her body in in, in a park um i i don't want to belittle the tragedy i don't want to underplay what has happened to her uh i don't know who did it what happened i'm not making any claims of those natures but I do want to talk about um, the interesting conversation that's developed in relation to it. Um, and there's a headline that I saw from Slate magazine that sort of encapsulates it. It says the Gabby Petito story is rocking hashtag van life TikTok. So I looked at this article and so it, it's just I'm going to read a paragraph because this paragraph. Holy shit, man. Petito had hoped to become a travel influencer and more specifically a van lifer. One of the growing number of people who live in their vans as nomads and document their travels around the country on Instagram, TikTok, and other social media platforms, often using the hashtag van life, which Petito affixed to many of her posts. This content often features dramatic vistas and photogenic couples with tricked out vans. And more lately, funny TikToks about how van lifers stay hygienic. Even though Petito didn't have a large following as a van lifer at the time of her disappearance, her disappearance has affected and rattled the van life community all the same. So the first thing, William, is, and again, this is not about her in specific, because I think this could have happened in any community, right? But the idea that we're living in a time where everyone is telling us how bad everything is, when there is a literal community about 20-somethings who are driving around living in vans, taking pictures on mini computers and posting them online for other people to consume. And that is their life. And we're hearing about how bad the world is and how people aren't able to, to live a happy and healthy life. 
isn't that insane that this even exists? That van life exists or that fact yeah. that people are covering it like it's a community? Well, uh, both. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, with the pandemic, I guess maybe not. I mean, a lot of weird things have come out of this, but like, That's I don't true. know. Isn't this just I mean, this is just caravanning. This is just, you know, wasn't this an Independence Day? Remember all those people in their home <laughs> homes? Are they? Well, and that's, that's part of the thing of social media. That's part yeah. of the thing of social media, right? Like everything's always been again. around, but yeah, yeah. suddenly <laughs> it's cool on social media. Yeah, but that's yeah. the other thing too. Like, get an RV, although some of them probably can't afford RVs. It's just, it's just crazy. And then the the second thing is the idea that this is rocking the van life community all the same, right? Her disappearance has affected and rattled the van life community all the same. Again, it is a tragedy, and. It is, you know, something you do that makes you related to that person. And I understand the feeling on that level, but what are the odds that this happens to every van lifer? And what are the odds that this is going to happen to any single van lifer? A mother's nightmare. Yeah, it's it's so, it's just kind of fear porn, right? I mean, right. The, the only reason it's interesting is because she was a influencer, right? Like if this had if if the circumstances were different if this person didn't have a social media preference a uh, 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 social media presence we probably wouldn't even know this story or or anyone would be covering this story. Well, and that's what it would get buried in is, all right? the other all the other statistics about uh, interfamily violence. Right, and that's the thing. Like she was in van life with her boyfriend, and then they went to a park together. She didn't come fiance. back. He's yeah. fiance. Sorry, he's since disappeared. Right, I don't know if they found him yet or not. Again, I'm not concerned about those specific details because the uh, the justice system will hopefully bear that out. But you raise an interesting point. Again, this goes to the thing we were talking about with social media. This goes to the thing we were talking oh, about. Oh yeah, well, with... people were people on social media were saying we wouldn't know this story um, if she uh, if she wasn't white. Yeah, so, that's been said yeah. for a long time, right? It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if like a mildly, you know, mild viewer count, anyone uh, did something that YouTube and social media would be all over it. I don't think it has anything to do with the race. Well, and that was what I was going to ask you is at what point does someone become an influencer? Like, are you an influencer if you only have 50 I, views you know, per we, video? We, play, we played, uh, we played, I forgot the name of the game we played, but we, there was a game we were playing like know your meme or something like that and uh i always get to go first because i have the most instagram followers in my group my friend group now if we if we play justin i'm sure you have way more instagram followers than i do i don't, I don't have those bulging do you have i don't have those bulging muscles to show off so i don't have i don't have all the uh all that i don't know it was uh i I've have got like 200 200. 255 followers you have more than me Damn. I only, well, I only have like 212 here. I'm, let me look. Let me look. I'm pulling it open. Yeah, I have 217. Man, so I'd, I'd get to go first then. Yeah. I don't know, man. It doesn't. None of it makes any sense to me. The whole van life thing doesn't make any sense to me. And it, it, I don't know. Like, it's like you said, this attention is going to this stuff. And I mean, look, it's good that it was really awesome that everyone got involved in this and they helped find the body and they help find the guy and all this stuff like that's really awesome right there's a yeah there's something to be said there about the 
the joint effort and all of that. And that's sort of one of the positive sides of sites like Reddit. But on the other side, it's sort of like, do we really live in such a bad society if people are able to use these platforms and live van life and become famous and popular off of that? That seems like a pretty good world, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for my hashtag van life. Where do I get these vans? And how many dogs can I fit in them? That depends on the size of the dog and the size of the van. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I don't have a lot to say about this. Uh, this uh, hashtag van life. Other than yeah, I, I mean, someday, some I like. Uh, I like the idea of uh, at some point uh, um, driving around and and living in a uh, motorhome, but uh, that always seems like a you know more of a camping fantasy than a uh, hashtag van life and talking about how I stay clean. That doesn't seem interesting to me. Well, right. Well, that's the lowest common denominator thing, right? Memes about how they say stay clean and stuff. That doesn't seem interesting. What seems interesting is it's 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 the freedom of it, right? Like, I love driving because there's that feeling of freedom. So, yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. And I get the RV thing. Although I do know I used to, there were some people I would make fun of because they were getting their RV, but they would bring their Playstations and everything and have all this awesome, expensive stuff. And I was like, so you're not, you're really not like camping at this point. You're pretending to be poor. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we all, we all have to live our fantasy. Yeah. I pretend to be poor so, all the time, Justin. Yeah. So we'll see what other niche communities are out there on social media that get popularized next or become some sort of a story next uh wasn't there already a van life movie wasn't that what into the wild was <laughs> uh, do you remember I that like movie there should be a, i don't remember but i feel like there should be a horror movie now you know that someone's gonna do uh, a movie a netflix special based on this uh on this story well go look up into the wild it basically was a horror movie it wasn't intended as one but it basically was so let's use that to talk about some other movies in the hopeful bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication. Broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. I need a rerun. You better cast the next series of events. In the air timeline laps, my made for TV type was written off. In the last season when I wasn't focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Our Discord channel is linked to at themidside.com or themidside.com slash podcast. You just click on any episode link, and then there's a join link in there, and then you can come in and you can listen to us live and give some commentary, as we've seen going on today. Uh, you can talk about the trailers we post. You can share some stories. Uh, a trailer we're not going to talk about explicitly is the Muppets Haunted Mansion. I threw that in there. That looks really awesome. You can watch that. Yeah. All you're going to do oh, I, is... I, I got to put Arcane in there, too. The Netflix... You have to uh, put Arcane the in there as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Put it, Look for the Arcane trailer in there. So there'll be... There's a lot of good stuff in there, so you should join our Discord. All right. For the review this week, William, I, I watched Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen is an adaptation of a Broadway musical about a super socially awkward kid who sort of played autistic to me and he has a lot of anxiety and he's you know depressive near suicidal and he gets caught up in this situation i'll get into that in a second what i do want to say is my 
rating of this movie yo-yoed all over the place. There were some really, really good things I liked about this movie. And after I saw it, my initial thought was, this is a bromantic movie. But while I was watching it, I was like, this is a bro. The reason I made this movie bromantic after watching it was that there is, I will say, there is a twist at the end that changes the significance of much of what happened and adds a a layer to the theme and makes the theme a worthwhile theme. But then as I reflected on this movie more, I lowered it back down to a bro. So my ultimate rating is a bro for the following reason. This movie is about basically not evading yourself, accepting yourself with all the problems you have so you can solve them and create a better life. But the way this movie is done is it makes the main character so unlikable and irredeemable that there's no way to accurately demonstrate that theme. That when he does finally accept himself and does stop evading reality and evading himself, that the ending is very non-cathartic. You don't get the release of, okay, he's learned, he's, he's grown. You're not shown him being, his life being better. You're just shown him having an awkward conversation with the, you know, the girl he loves sort of being like, eh, I wish things could have been different. And then the movie ends. So I can't give this movie a higher rating because of what they do with the main character. And essentially what the movie's about is him being a, a liar the whole movie where, and I won't go into all of it, but there ends up being a false story about him being friends with a, a kid who killed himself, who he was never really friends with. And because of that, the whole movie is built around that plot. And then you get to the end where he, you know, he owns up to everything and you know, you appreciate that he owns up to everything, but it makes it so there is no really redemption for his character. But if he's a high school kid and you're trying to make a story about how life can be better and, and you can be happy and not alone. If you stop evading and accept yourself, you're not portraying the story as best as you can be. And I'm sure this plot dynamic, this issue comes from the, the play itself. Oh, the, okay. I, I stand corrected. It was just said in the, in the discord by midsider Cody that he says, my understanding is the ending was changed for the film and the musical ends much darker. Well, that gives me two things. One, uh, that makes the musical something I don't ever want to see because one of the things I was surprised about about the ending was that it was very rational in that way that it was, you know, anti-evasion and saying accept yourself and accept your life. So it sounds like whoever made the movie, the director, Chabosky, I believe his last name is, he took what he could. And he, he, re, he redeemed it from a death spiral as much as he could. But I always wondered how that would work in Broadway because Broadway tends to have much darker themes and it's much more naturalistic and much more anti-life. So that doesn't surprise me. Uh, well, I'll have to look into that more. I'm curious now to see what the difference is with the Broadway ending. 
But that explains a lot. So do I have more of a positive view of this movie with that information? Yes, that doesn't change my rating beyond a bro. There, there's some good stuff in here. It's not You're not going to waste your time. You're going to be entertained. But ultimately, I think it's sort of, you know, the, the darkness of the original movie or the original play sort of holds it back. Yeah, uh, so one final thought here. Midsetter Cody said, I think Pasek and Paul view it more as a cautionary tale. Uh, yeah, but if it's supposed to be that way and you need a cautionary tale that says don't be a pathological lying dickhead, uh, not really interested in that. But there are ways you can do that more romantically as well. So maybe it's worthwhile for me to see the play then and see how they do it as a cautionary tale. I don't think this movie was intended as a cautionary tale, though. With the ending, it was more intended as, you know, here's how you can be inspired and not feel alone and, you know, love yourself. I think that's how the movie was intended. Perhaps the play is intended differently. But the movie gets a bro. All right, let's move on to some trailer takedown to cap this episode off. As always, I post the trailers in the Discord on Saturdays generally. Uh, This edition has had some sort of flux in the trailers. There's been stuff posted all week. And then Saturday, Netflix had its to dumb, which is the weirdest way. Did you see that, that they had their convention and they named it to dumb? That's weird. And also, don't all the streaming services copy that now? They all oh, have very, very many sounds of them. that they make. Yeah. 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 So it's it's weird when you see it written out that they spelled like T-U-D-U-M. And it's like their official convention. But that gave us uh, like the Army of the Thieves trailer. So this has been in flux. But if you go in and... Discord, you can still see the trailers. You can still watch them before the episode or watch them after the episode or during. Watch a trailer, pause it, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, pause it, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. The Tragedy of Macbeth is an Apple Plus adaptation of the Shakespeare play produced by A24 and directed and written by Joel Cohen. I'm not going to see this movie. Now, I'm not going to say that this doesn't look good, and I'm not going to say it has anything to do with A24. I do think there's some sort of the A24 production value with, like, the black and white and things like that. This does look like it's made with a high production quality and with a lot of uh, skill put into it. But I don't understand our culture's obsession with telling Shakespeare as Shakespeare told it. I like when we do adaptations of Shakespeare and modernize Shakespeare. That's that's interesting to me. This kind of thing is not interesting to me. That does not mean I would begrudge anyone who saw this or would be interested in this because it does look like it's done well. And, you know, the Cohen brothers are pretty good. So Joel Cohen probably did this well. I just I just have no interest in seeing another adaptation of Macbeth. I really don't. So tackle. Tackle. Well, I, on the other hand, can't tell you that I've ever seen an adaptation of uh, Macbeth outside of watching the play, like, probably in AP English class uh, way back in high school. So I, I, don't, I haven't seen any, any uh, Macbeths uh, recently. Um, that being said, the A24 is what gives me pause here, because uh, like you said, the, the, the production value is probably going to be good, but then... I don't know. I just worry they're going to bastardize it in some way. Like, how can you fuck up Macbeth? Um, but 
Macbeth is already pretty dark, William. Yeah. So it kind of fits the A24 motif. It fits their their motif, yeah. 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 It fits their motif. So I'm going to give it a very light Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Second trailer. Escape the Undertaker is a Netflix interactive story starring WWE superstars The New Day and The Undertaker. In it, The New Day goes to the Undertaker's haunted house, and then the viewer gets to choose what they do next. And if they split up or stay together and so on and so forth. Look, this looks like complete and utter trash. This looks terrible. It looks like when you know WWE does their promos and everything, it looks like all the problems with WWE nowadays. Uh, I know it's being said as Netflix's first interactive movie or whatever but i remember they did one back in the day with bandersnatch that was what it was called yeah Yeah. that's what it was called right where it had all the weird fucking endings and stuff yeah 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 it was so we've done this like i again i know i'm 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 old man yelling at clouds here but we did this when the cd roms came out remember and they were like yes basically making choose your own adventure books but with like videos being played instead of in instead of uh you having to actually read uh right the, and this is a whole genre of games too, by the way. There's there's yes. a whole genre of games that are, that are just this. So well, it's like you said. Uh, there's this a whole is, this genre seems like of a really books. shitty version of those games, right? Yes. Well, that's what WWE does, and it's it's like you even said. It's the books too, right? The books were before the games. I mean, I remember. Do you remember? Um, like they did like the Super Mario Brothers Choose Your Own Adventure, and you would yeah. flip to a page and you would die. So then you would flip and go back, and like yeah. that's how you did it. All this is is more cumbersome. It's easy in a book to see all the different endings. Here, it's going to be fucking forever. So I do have mild interest to see how they execute this, just because the idea of like a choose-your-own-adventure story, like that's a concept that feels like we should be able to do it better than we do, but we don't, so I want to see how they're going to do it. But I would really only watch this if, like, I didn't want to put any energy into thinking about what I was going to watch, and it popped up on the main screen, and I was like, ah, fuck it, let me see what this is about. But I really, this is going to be talked about, but look, watch the Muppets Haunted Mansion, that looks exciting, that looks funny, that looks like classic Muppets crossed with Disney, it's what Disney should have been doing for years with the Muppets, the Muppets are finally back, that's how you revive a property and do something cool, this no tackle tackle yeah that there's what more can be really be said this i'd rather play one of the games than this and just to mention uh wwe has a uh uh their licensed games are also notoriously awful so uh so i i I, for some reason i'm just putting in that category it's probably just going to be notoriously awful awful so maybe maybe watching it because it'll be so bad but no I think I'm just going to tackle. Tackle. Third trailer. American Underdog is a Kurt Warner biopicture starring Zachary Levi. Kurt Warner is the former quarterback for the St. Louis Rams who won the Super Bowl after having played in the Arena League and working in a grocery store. And when I saw that he had a biopic, I was really interested to watch this trailer. But then as I'm watching the trailer... There was just something that seemed really off about it. Really, really off about it. And I was like, man, I should like this a lot more. I love football. I respect Kurt Warner. This is a cool story. 
there's something I should like. I should like this a lot more. So there's something off. And then it got to the end. And this movie is directed by those brothers who make the super Christian movies. I want to say the Duffer brothers, but that's the, um, that's the stranger things people, right? So it's directed by the Irwin brothers, the Irwin brothers. And they're the ones who do the super Christian movies. So, you know, Kurt Warner, he's super Christian. And if you remember when he was in the NFL, his wife is like super, super Christian. So it, it makes sense that he would want to approach this movie this way. And he would want his biopic to be done this way. But the movie itself is very didactic. They're saying the things that the characters say the things that they're supposed to say, not what they would actually say, or it's not written that they said anything actually interesting. It's, you know, he goes to see the coach. Why would we give our 200 million franchise to you, the quarterback who no one believes in? And it's like, I am an underdog. You should believe in me. It's, there's no actual passion or anything behind it. And I'm not afraid to posit that that comes from essentially saying, and they and they put this in the trailer, they insinuate it, that he's doing this because it's God's purpose for him. He's supposed to. Not because he earned it and put his passion and his life into it. So to me, this is an example of how faith can be handled in a poor way, in a, in a poor way to make art. I don't begrudge anyone who believes in these things, but you can still make good art. But this feels more like taking a good story and making it a propaganda piece for Christianity than it is to tell the story. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah. Uh, any Anything like this that has a big old, uh, he's doing it because of faith, uh, I'm just not going to be interested in. And uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I really like that you touched on it's the mood of just how the dialogue is really sets the tone. And then you're looking at like the shots, like all these people are indistinguishable, right? They're interchangeable. The, the none, of, none of the background folks really stand out. And then the coach is just like, there's no character, right? Like there's no personality. I mean, the story here should be really interesting and there should be some really interesting, like, story here but it, it this looks very paint by the numbers which is crazy and then well it's even all kurt propaganda. warner doesn't have a character it just looks yeah. like zachary levi in a st louis rams jersey yeah yeah it's it's not gonna be good so tackle tackle final trailer army of thieves is the prequel to Zack snyder's army of the dead we previously talked about the teaser trailer for this movie this is the full-length trailer released at netflix's to dumb online convention for their upcoming slate of content uh, i thought this trailer uh, from a production value looked tremendous i mean this this looks like it's really well shot it's really beautiful which is amazing because it had such a low budget i mean everything looks sleek it looks clean it just looks really really well made from that way it looked like i wanted to look at these images it wasn't depressing I didn't look at these things and think life sucked and they're trying to make life look bad. And especially with a zombie apocalypse going on, it's about thieves. But then when we look at the story, I thought it was really interesting that they're doing a typical heist film, but it's told from the perspective of the hacker that's super awkward. And he's and, and in a sense, Dieter, that character, he's from Army of the Dead, is sort of the stand in for the audience or the typical 
sort of stereotypical fan of Zack Snyder movies or, you know, typical genre fan. So I thought it was really interesting. They're doing it from that perspective. Now, of course, there's the army of the dead twist where the corporate guy who sends the army of the dead team into to Las Vegas owns all the safes that Dieter is trying to break into in this movie. So there's surely going to be some overlap and set up for army of the dead. Cause this is a prequel, but I think even, even if I knew, if I didn't know Zack Snyder was involved in this and if it wasn't a prequel to army of the dead, even if it was just a standalone on its own, I would think there would be enough interesting in here for me to see this. This looks pretty good on its own besides all the connections to army of the dead and Zack Snyder hug. Hug. Sorry, the dogs are barking like crazy. Hopefully a package is getting delivered. <clears throat> Either that or being invaded. Um, or they're excited for Army of Thieves because this looks really good. Um, I, I do love, you know, I, I chuckle every time hacking is seen as uh, furiously typing on keyboards, but I can suspend well, Swordfish, my, uh, did you ever see Swordfish? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I... I I, I love those movies, man. So yeah, that's what I do all day when I'm when I'm hacking. Uh, I just type furiously. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure there's uh, I'm sure chefs feel the same way about cooking in movies and things like that. But uh, it's just it's always funny. But yeah, this looks really good. I, I uh, I'm kind of excited. Like I, I hope this does well. I, I hope it it is good and that it does well because I want to see more um, visually interesting movies in told in interesting ways that that that's what really draws me to this movie so i am i am in on this one netflix and hug all right william that brings us to the end of our trip what did you learn oh man what did i learn this trip uh well i definitely learned that uh i am going to uh spam my youtube channel full of uh inane commentary to capitalize on the new trend of uh freezing a frame and describing what's obviously going on so expect that soon justin what did you learn this trip as i said at the beginning of the show i'm just going to repeat it i learned that i need to manage my energy better and i need to prioritize saying hey I'm tired. I can't do everything because that's going to get me in situations where I know I don't want to be in. And I knew I didn't want to be in that situation, but I put myself in it anyway. And I did what I had to in it. And I don't regret what I did. And I don't take back what I did. But I shouldn't have put myself in that situation to begin with. And I think that's the biggest thing about growing up. I think that's the biggest thing about growing up. Knowing just to not put yourself in those situations to begin with. Because you're going to do things that look bad, even if they aren't bad. And that's a situation you don't want to be in. A situation you do want to be in, though, is listening to this podcast. And I appreciate you for listening to it, because if not, it would just be me talking into a microphone in my closet. I mean, it still is me talking into a microphone in my closet, but I feel a little less crazy because you're listening to me. You're in the Discord. You're responding. You're giving feedback as we go. If you want to support the show, you can do on do so on themidside.com slash Store, sorry, uh, I'll plug something else in a second here that a midsider just put into the Discord. But the midside.com slash store, you can pick up a t shirt there. You can go to midside.com slash midside.com slash the cut. You can buy my novel. You can also support us on Patreon or locals, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. And if you want to hit up the Discord, 
Midsider Cody just put a YouTube video in there of an interview that helped him figure out, he said, it says it helped him understand Dear Evan Hansen. And apparently, do they also talk about Cody? Do they talk about La La Land in that interview? Because one of the cool things about Dear Evan Hansen is the music is similar to La La Land because it's by the same lyricists and musicians. As I say that, they start playing the music again next door. (laughs) All right, well, he says, yes, the majority of the interview, this was before the musical premiered. Okay, so cool. You can check out that interview. It's a little of like the pre-writing for Dear Evan Hansen, and it talks a lot about La La Land, which, you know, I think is a really, really great movie. I think it's one of the best movies to come out in a long time. Otherwise, you know, just tell a friend about the show. Tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to grow the show. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emblesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a great race. I do not know how you guys don't hear this music. All I hear is thumping bass right now like I'm at the club. Let's dance, baby.